because of all the obstacles and all the prejudice, because of society's stance, every sentence is a life sentence. These were the words of Brian Kelly, the CEO of a nonprofit organization that helps inmates start businesses in Texas, as recounted in the Politico article titled, Five New Policy Ideas for Fixing Life After Prison. Unfortunately, for far too many Americans, Kelly's words ring true. As this political article highlights, studies have showcased that more than half of the people living in prison are still unemployed a year after their initial release, and nearly 70% of them are rearrested within three years. Much of that is the result of an unhealthy culture within the United States that denigrates the status of individuals who have spent time in prison. According to Esther Matthews in the Washington Post article titled, Post-Prison, People Just Want Normal Things, Americans Say That's Too Much to Expect, Matthews conducted a survey in which, quote, survey respondents downgraded what people who had spent time in prison should expect compared with those who had not, considering it less important for them to be able to own a car, buy a home, travel, or enjoy their jobs. For example, respondents were 46% less likely to think that people who had criminal records should try to become doctors or lawyers than those without. Instead, respondents were more likely to think that people who had once been in prison should aim for careers such as roofers or warehouse employees." End quote. As this survey demonstrates, the possibilities of success for formerly incarcerated Americans are limited, due in large part due to the stigma surrounding their prison stints. These sentiments that many Americans feel, that people who have been released from prison deserve to be continually punished for their crimes, even after their prison sentences have been concluded, can have a crushing impact on their attempts to re-enter and reintegrate into society. Michelle Quo's book, Reading with Patrick, explores these struggles through the lens of Patrick Browning, a young student who had been incarcerated for killing another young man. On page 271 of her book, Quo explains how, quote, Patrick wanted to stay in Little Rock because there were more jobs there, but he couldn't find one. He applied to a warehouse, but the felony was a problem. He thought about trucking, but the felony was a problem. In Helena, the options were even fewer. He applied to the casino. No, the felony. He applied to KFC and Dollar General. No, they didn't have openings. He has no car, no computer, end quote. While Browning had been making genuine attempts to try to put his past incarcerated behind him, the society that he encountered upon his release from prison was not willing to look beyond that. Time and time again, Browning, much like many American citizens who have spent time incarcerated, was unable to find employment and struggled to reacclimate to conventional society. Quo elaborated on the sheer magnitude of the societal issues facing Browning as he attempted to reintegrate into society on page 274, saying that, quote, Now I wondered if I had misunderstood totally. His attempt to re-enter the Delta, to find a job, to feel at home, to make something of himself, was a new battle, excruciating and unlike incarceration, with no end date. If school and then prison had minimally, taking responsibility for him, now he had no one, not even an institution, to claim him." End quote. Browning's post-incarceration struggles highlight the overwhelming impact 
that failed attempts to reenter society can have on people who have been incarcerated. Matthews emphasizes the necessity to have an American society willing to offer these formerly incarcerated citizens second chances, describing how, quote, stories from people who have tried to succeed after incarceration suggest that community support, or the lack of it, makes a big difference in re-entry. Hiring managers, landlords, college admissions committees, and others must be willing to offer a second chance to those who've been in prison if most re-entry policies are to be effective. Those returning cannot reintegrate on their own. Their communities must accept them. End quote. This idea about changing the narrative regarding the right of those who have gone to prison to re-enter the world fully and in changing that narrative, building more community support for formerly incarcerated Americans to get second chances, brings awareness to one possible solution to the problem of lacking employment opportunities for Americans recently released from prison. As Matthews articulates, quote, if the Biden administration wants to enable full reintegration for those leaving prison, it may wish to find a way to build public support. The criminal justice system disproportionately targets poor and minority individuals, further destabilizing these marginalized communities. If these disparate effects continue after release and even into the next generation, institutionalized race and class disadvantages continue unchecked. Helping to undo public stigma against those with a criminal record could make the criminal justice system more equitable while making communities safer and stronger, end quote. There is an inherent necessity in developing more public support for the second chances of Amer Americans who have been in prison. If President Joe Biden and his administration truly want to make an impact in reducing the recidivism rate and preventing those who have already been incarcerated from winding up in prison for a second time, shaping and constructing a more positive and realistic narrative and perception around people who have previously been incarcerated and community support that they need in order to effectively re-enter society is going to be quintessential to any future efforts to build better lives for people after prison stints. As Browning's story demonstrates, and as Quo pointed out, however, oftentimes the capacity to support former prisoners after they have been released from prison can be more challenging to manage. While these reforms to the probation system and the parole system are very significant, they would not single-handedly ensure fair employment opportunities for all of the formerly incarcerated Americans after their release from prisons. According to the Politico article titled, Five New Policy Ideas for Fixing Life After Prison, Quote, starting a new life after prison or jail means not only starting from scratch, but doing it all while navigating a new thicket of obstacles, like state and federal laws that restrict employment and housing opportunities. Franklin County, Ohio has found one way to address those barriers. A legal resource center that helps the public with questions about non-criminal cases. It has been particularly useful for those released from prison and jail who need help with tasks such as sealing their records or obtaining a waiver for job restrictions. It is the first such center in Ohio and in its first three years it helped more than 6,000 people. The center is also one of the few nationwide to hire a social worker to connect formerly incarcerated people with resources, an asset that has made it a model for other places. The Franklin County Self-Help Research Center hired its first social worker in June with funding from the CARES Act to address the growing number of evictions during the pandemic. 
It's not the first time a social worker has worked with the team. Interns studying social work would have helped the staff in the past. But it's the first time they've employed someone full-time to increase accessibility and show a commitment to improving the lives of their clients. It's proven especially useful for people returning from jail and prison. End quote. It is imperative that more organizations such as the Franklin County Self-Help Research Center emerge if there is going to be any nationwide progression to a more humane society that does not judge the entire lives of individuals on their worst mistakes. In terms of ensuring fair employment opportunities for those that have been previously incarcerated, the Franklin County Self-Help Research Center has proven to be invaluable as the political article titled Five New Policy Ideas for Fixing Life After Prison illustrates, quote, as the center's first in-house social worker, Sarah Hulskoder says she coaches formerly incarcerated people on how to navigate stigmas and disadvantages that come from having a criminal record, even when legal barriers are removed. That includes teaching them how to talk to landlords about their past, how to present themselves during job interviews, and how to convince employers to see their rehabilitation efforts. She brings a different perspective to these interactions than staff attorneys, who are often trained to look at issues with a narrower, more technical lens. The Self-Help Resource Center has been particularly effective in helping people apply for waivers that allow them to work in otherwise restricted industries, called Certificates of Qualification for Employment, Wilson says. Ohio bars those with criminal convictions from obtaining professional licenses, which are necessary for jobs ranging from massage therapy to cosmetology to roofing. But a law passed in 2012 allows those with convictions to apply for a certificate to eliminate those restrictions. Many people might not even know that such a waiver exists, says Wilson, until someone at the center helps them. End quote. While I certainly agree with Matthew's article that the federal government should work to shape the narrative surrounding previously incarcerated Americans and increase public support for their second chances, until that happens, organizations such as the Franklin County Self-Help Resource Center will be needed to try to teach these Americans recently released from prison how to best work around restrictions that prevent them from getting jobs. Other organizations have taken slightly different but comparably effective measures to improve employment prospects for previously incarcerated Americans. As the political article titled, Five New Policy Ideas for Fixing Life After Prison articulates, quote, Televerdi, a Phoenix-based sales and marketing company, is addressing the issue of high unemployment rates among formerly incarcerated people by giving them a job, even before their release. The company is an example of how businesses could work alongside the government to lower recidivism rates and improve the process of re-entry. At Televerdi, preparation for re-entry begins during incarceration. The company has partnered with Arizona's Department of Corrections since 1995 to hire women in prison to make customer service and sales calls for tech companies like Microsoft, Dell, and Adobe. Those hired by the company go through intensive training on sales, marketing, and technology, skills that continue to be marketable following their release. 
Once they're integrated into the call centers, clients over the phone rarely realize the call is coming from inside a prison, says Michelle Sirocco, chief social responsibility officer of the company. While critics call prison labor exploitative because it can be compensated below minimum wage, Sirocco says Televerdi ensures it pays the federal minimum wage of 7.25 dollars an hour, which is far more than the national average of 1.41 dollars per hour paid by the state-owned businesses that employ most prisoners. A portion of this money is immediately provided to the employees for their day-to-day -day spending while the rest is put into a savings account for their release. By the time of their release, most have about $10,100 saved in their accounts to purchase clothing, secure housing, and pay for transportation. Ultimately, many incarcerated Televerdi employees leave prison with job experience and financial independence, both of which are key factors to successful reentry." Additionally, as revealed through the political article titled Five New Policy Ideas for Fixing Life After Prison, quote, when one of Televerdi's 400 incarcerated employees are released, the company offers the individual the opportunity to continue working for the business, a notable offer considering the unemployment rate among formerly incarcerated people is at 27%, which is nearly five times higher than the national rate. 25% join the company, while the rest still successfully find jobs elsewhere. Overall, 94% of the women who were employed Televerdi's call centers in prison are still employed five years after their release. And even those that weren't employed by Televerdi while they were in prison have a chance as an employee at the company. 40% of its employees have been incarcerated." End quote. If the employment opportunities presented by Televerdi Company to previously incarcerated individuals were able to be replicated on a larger and nationwide scale, then employment for previously incarcerated Americans would become more accessible and equitable. This is imperative in order to ensure that all Americans who have spent time incarcerated have real outlets through which they may attain legitimate second chances. Finally, the issue of rampant homelessness among individuals who have been incarcerated must be addressed. According to the political article titled Five New Ideas for Fixing Life After Prison, quote, high recidivism rates and homelessness are deeply intertwined issues nationwide. One study found that more than half of formerly incarcerated people in New York City homeless shelters had been released from jail in the past 30 days. The solutions can be connected too. In Denver, city leaders have invited businesses to invest in a solution to homelessness that also has reduced recidivism among people released from jail. In 2005, then-Mayor John Hickenlooper launched the Denver Crime Prevention and Control Commission DCPCC, when a new jail in the city opened. When the commission was tasked with finding ways to reduce incarceration, it found that the city was spending $7 million a year on just 250 chronically homeless people, most of it incurred by the 14,000 days the group cumulatively spent in jail. Failure to find proper housing can lead to a cycle of homelessness and jail, says Sarah Gillespie, a criminal justice expert at the Urban Institute, a social and economic policy think tank. 
She is part of a group from the Urban Institute that is evaluating the Denver program. When you are living on the street, you end up interacting with police very frequently. And oftentimes, those things that you're doing to survive on the streets land you in jail, she says. After a call for proposals from the community, and with the help of a former director at the Harvard Kennedy School's Government Performance Lab, the DCPCC settled on trying out a new solution that was gaining steam in the public policy world, a social impact bond. Social impact bonds are public-private partnerships, typically between a local government and a group of businesses that have chosen to invest in a community solution. The government essentially asks the investors for a loan, in Denver's case, money to provide those 250 costliest individuals long-term housing that will save the city money in the long run. Those savings, if they are generated, are then returned to the investors, end quote. Once again, if there is enough public support and excitement rallied around some of these different policy ideas, then perhaps they could begin to permeate the national consciousness and, hopefully, be implemented at the federal level. For an issue as wide-sweeping as criminal justice reform, Many of these proposals and policies will need to be made into federal laws in order to provide the necessary and effective changes that the country as a whole so desperately needs. However, it is very promising to see some local leaders such as John Hickenlooper making real and meaningful efforts to improve the quality of life among previously incarcerated citizens, especially in regards to reducing the homelessness that they so often face shortly after their releases from prison. The challenges associated with reintegrating back into society after incarceration are often overlooked when it comes to the necessary reforms to the American criminal justice system. However, they are very real and very much in need of legislative action to reduce them. By encouraging a more forgiving and tolerant society and promoting various legislative reforms that will make it easier for previously incarcerated individuals to find employment and live comfortably without the looming threat of homelessness, we can truly work to ensure that all prison sentences do not have to be life sentences.